Hi, you're listening to Superwomen with me, Rebecca Minkoff. And today I'm really excited with my guest. I'm always excited about all my guests. But today, in honor of Mother's Day, guess who I'm interviewing? My mom. I think I talk about my mom as a lot of inspiration. um, And so I figured, why not give you guys the source? Uh, Hi, Mom. Hi, Becky. Oh, my God. That's a lot to live up to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, everyone always asks, you know, who taught you to be so strong? And I always tell the story of you guys didn't know I was a girl. And then I came out and then you said to me that you taught me to be a fighter, right? Right. Exactly. So take me back to when you were pregnant with me and miserable. (laughs) (laughs) How do you remember that? (laughs) (laughs) His dad reminded me. Exactly. Did you... Did you feel like you had a different pregnancy or? I had a totally different pregnancy. I was not sick at all. Um, didn't, I wasn't nauseous at all. So I thought this is really different because I was with the boys. And then towards the end, I had varicose veins in my perineum. And if you don't know what that word means, just guess where they are. It's your asshole. <laughs> so it was extremely uncomfortable. And I had to wear a pregnancy girdle probably the last six months. Okay. And then there's pictures that, you know, we have of you looking like you just took the biggest dump of your life after I came out. Like the relief on your face is. So then that was that's how I felt. Yep. After I had my each one of my kids. Yep. But you're you look so serene. Was it because you felt relief or because you had a daughter or both? I'm not offended either way. It was both because you were <laughs> such a surprise. It, and and, and, I, and the look at daddy's face was just amazing that he had a daughter. It was pretty incredible. And But also, I think after you give birth, it's kind of a surreal moment. And I don't know if it's just that, wow, this is so amazing and the hormones kick in, but it was just beautiful. And so at that point, were you like, okay, I've got a razor to be tough? Or did that start later once my brothers were mean to me? Mm. Okay, so you had two brothers, so, and you still have two brothers. One is five years older, one is four years older. And I think I just wanted you to be tough because it just is easier to get along in the world if you're tough. But how did you know that? How did you know and consciously think that? Because I had to be that way myself. I was the baby. My mother was 41 when she had me, my dad 48. So these are people that were could have been my grandparents. And my siblings were much older, nine and, and 16 years older. So I had to teach myself everything. So I taught myself how to ride a pony. I taught myself how to ride a bike when I was five. And I taught myself on my sister's bike, who was 14 years old, because there was nobody around to teach me or play with me. So I pretty much raised myself. I got into a lot of trouble as a kid. I mean, I was very insouciant and mischievous. So I didn't cause like super bad harm, but did enough to get into enough trouble that my best friend who was a little boy who was a year younger than me, I was banned from the rectory because I was causing too much trouble with him. So I feel like the troublemaker now is my daughter. So yes. I feel like this trouble skipped a generation, and now you have a little devil in her. Exactly. <laughs> That's why Ex- you guys get along so well. <laughs> we, I totally can get into her world. And yes, we have a lot of fun. So you had to teach everything yourself. So as punishment, but it ended up being good, you did that with us, right? Well, part of that was that as being the baby, I was spoiled 
to an extent. And work was difficult for me as a child. Like they'd say, come dry the dishes. And I would like put it off and put it off as long as possible till they just nagged and nagged and nagged. And then I realized, man, work is tough. And I thought, I don't want work to be tough for you guys. So I will have you guys start working at a young age so that it's part of your life so that work isn't hard. So I always worked, but I can't say that work was easy for me. And so what did you do when we were little to get us used to that? Because I feel like my kids complain and drag their feet, even though I'm trying to emulate what you're doing. But did we do that? Yes. Really? Yep. What did we do? You didn't want to do what you were asked to do. So you had certain chores. I mean, yes, we had a reward system um, that worked, but you guys didn't want to do it. Like, I remember one time, like, when you were a teenager, so everybody had a night to do dishes. And you, two nights. Two, oh, you remember. Oh, my God. So two nights a week to do dishes, and you would invariably not want to do your dishes. Right. So one night I just thought, I'm over this. So I just took all your dishes and put them in your bedroom. You did? I did. You don't remember that? Barely. I feel like I have now. I blocked it out. <laughs> yes, I did that. And you also made us mow the lawn. Yeah. Took turns mowing the lawn. Uh, what else did you guys, what else do you remember that you had to do? I think it was dishes and lawn mowing, even though I couldn't push the lawn mower. Oh, my God. That was punishment. Yeah, that was definitely punishment. I think I remember Rory having to do that most of all um, was mow the lawn. So there were dishes. You had to put your toys away. That was a big deal. So, And also, if you had friends come over for more than a day, and I felt like, okay, I'm feeding these kids, you know, and they have this total freedom in this house because we did have a lot of freedom. But the rules were they had to keep put in their exchange. So if I'm doing stuff for them and giving them food, then I'd, I'd say, hey, I need you guys to help. You're here for a bit. And so I'd find stuff for them to help also. So I try and do that now with mm-hmm. uh, other people that come to my house. And I feel like then I get really frustrated and annoyed. Like I feel like now it's more work for me to get these other people to do stuff. How do you sort of not get into, give into that feeling of like, Oh, I'll just do it myself. Because I was a badass. (laughs) (laughs) I would just, it was such a strong urge in me that it's not okay that people leave my house messier than when they came. So I say, hey, guys, we have a rule here that before you leave, um, we have to clean up. So come on, let's all clean up together. Okay. And I would just supervise that. Even if the parents were there and the parents maybe didn't like it, we just all did it. Because it was really the right thing. And I think if you know that you're doing the right thing, even though it's difficult and somebody else may not like it, it has to be done. Right. Makes sense. So switching gears here, obviously, I'm a huge advocate of women and and women's rights. You were around probably when that was like really at its height with Gloria Steinem and the 70s. Did any of that filter into raising me differently or versus like, oh, I got to raise my daughter differently than my sons? Or did you think about that stuff or no? I honestly thought at the time, and a lot of people won't like this, but that... Get ready. Uh-oh. This is where we differ. <laughs> this is where we differ. I just thought it was a lot of bullshit. I mean, I was really <laughs> a hippie. Okay. I was like a true hippie and did everything that was part of that world. And at the time, there were a lot of isms. You know, not not just feminism, but there are a lot of other isms. I was even part of the anti-war movement. And I thought, you know, this is fitting somebody else's agenda. And there 
war is not good. I don't believe in war unless it's you're fighting for your survival. But I felt like there's other people's interests here. And it didn't feel real to me. So what what was real to me was that each one of you becomes a strong individual. And if you see right and wrong, then you right the wrong and you do what's right and you expect others to do what's right. Um, But also that if you're a strong individual, the main thing is you fight for your rights. And if you see somebody else here, I'll give you a good example. Okay. So I was all pretty self-determined always because of having had to pretty much raise myself. I kind of inherited that from my dad, though. I just have to put this in. Like my dad was a German Jew, my mother French. And when Hitler came to power in the 30s, he was not allowed to work in Germany. And he said, basically, screw that. Went to France. And when Hitler um, took over France, he said, Jews can't work there either. So he said, this sucks. Took my mom and my brother and they were lucky enough to come to America. So it's like nobody told what could tell my dad what to do or what not to do. And that basically filtered to me too. And I think I raised you guys that way, unless it's right. If you have somebody that has good control, you're happy to work under them and with them. But if you or me have, we're under somebody who has bad control, it's like, why? So I, I'll give you an example. In nursing school, there was this, she was a woman and didn't like me for some reason. I had gotten A's and B's, and she was going to give me a D in pediatric nursing. I thought, screw her. She can't do that. She doesn't like me. So I always made, if something was unfair, I made a lot of noise. And so I reported her and reported her and then brought her together with the head of the department, the three of us. And I said, look, I may not be the best pediatric nurse, but I've never gotten a D, and I'm surely not doing that bad. I feel like this woman is out to get me. So the... The, this um, heavy department could see that and that she righted the wrong and I ended up getting a decent grade in the course. But that's what I felt for you guys is if it's if you're a woman or a man, you can achieve anything you want and nobody should stand in your way unfairly. So I think that's just innately how I raised you. You did that for me when my dance teachers wouldn't let me perform. Oh my God. Should I tell that story? You could. So... Becky was a really good dancer. She she got into a... I don't know if I was that good. I'd still be dancing if I was good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you discovered something else you were really amazing at. Uh, but she was accepted into a, a magnet school for her graphics and for her dance. But by her senior year, the same teacher would only put her in the back row of a group scene as a spectator. And I thought, this is not fair. You have somebody, okay, you can do that the first year and your sophomore year, but not your senior year. It's not fair. So I went in to speak to her. My husband came along. No, he didn't. Yeah. Dad was in the room. He I'll t- was? I'll tell you what happened. So funny. So I won't say the lady's name, but she's going on. I said, well, now, why are you doing that? Well, you see, it's all for the scene, the aesthetics of the scene. And I have to have the tall people in the back. And she literally kept going on and on like this. And finally, I said, you know what? You're full of shit. I remember that. You remember that? I, so I got so scared. I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck. These women are never going to put me in anything ever again. But I was also really happy that you swore. Oh, good. In that meeting. Why were you happy that I swore? Because you called her out on it, and you were, like, not tolerating the BS of that. Right. 
So your dad said at the time to her, oh, oh, don't mind her. She's Mama Tiger when it re- and when it's referring to her kids. She will always, so please, I'm sorry you're offended, but she's very protective of her children. And then in the background, your guidance counselor was, la- was snickering with his face covered. Turns out because of that scene and he being there, he asked you to be the lead choreographer and dancer for the uh, Black African History Month in all of the public schools. This so is something true. really good came out of that. Something did come from that. We got to tour the school with my choreography all over the, all over, not the state, just the county. Right. So let's talk about dad. Yep. You guys have been married for how long? Let's see. You got married when we were 21. I'll be 71. So it'll be 50 years this oh summer. Oh my gosh. Okay. So in a world these days where marriage, more than 50% of marriages end, what is the secret to 50 years? And I will tell all of you, they're still hot for each other. <laughs> we still know that they're doing it, guys. And they're 71. So she bugs me to have more sex with my husband. Just want to put that out there. True. (laughs) How do you do that? Which part? (laughs) How do you how do you keep love alive for 50 years and then still, uh, you know, find find ways within my apartment to keep it hot and heavy? Okay, so we've always had a lot of affinity for each other and we share so much in common. So we share love of sports. Let's see. What else? Do, Becky, you know what else we love to do together. We, we love sports. Oh, we both love medicine and, and learning more in because we have an alternative medicine clinic and I'm a nurse and Becky's dad's a doctor. So we've, we've en- loved this journey of learning together. And we've since the year 1995, we've learned together and gone to seminars and we really share that passion together. So, and passion for sports and working out and eating right, fitness, we've shared that forever. So do you feel that because Gavin and I sometimes don't get to finish a full sentence for a week, do you feel that when we were all little that that occurred or did you prioritize your relationship? I don't remember, but I feel like Gavin and I prioritize our children and don't get as often like as much time as we need together. Did you and dad not do that? That never seemed to be an issue because in the evenings, so he worked a lot. He would come home, have dinner with us, and then we usually would take you guys for a walk. This was in California, so the weather was nice most of the time. And it was like we were together then, even though we were with you. So we shared that part together. And then I guess you guys went to bed at a decent hour. I don't remember that very well, but I never felt that. It was kind of, we're in this partnership together, and he does what he does, and I do what we do. It was kind of like a dance that we kind of did together, raising you, and it seemed to have worked very well. Do you think it's because there was no social media then, or computers, or whatever, or like work stopped, so you could just be together? That is a really great point. I'm sure that's true. Right. Because, yeah, we just hung out as a family, and so it was great just hanging out as a family. and there. And if we watched something, it was watching a movie together with you guys. Right. See, Gavin and I have this guilt of like, we're not with our children enough, even if we're with them, you know, three to four nights a week at night and then all the weekends, it's like never enough. But dad, I asked dad this the other night. I said, you worked all the time, but I have no uh, upset or like uh, trauma from not seeing you. I don't remember 
feeling that way ever. And so why is it that me and Gavin feel like we're damaging our kids if we're not with them enough? I think you guys spend a lot of great quality time with your kids and, and your brother does too. And your brother and Stephanie, they do also spend great quality time. So if I were you, I probably wouldn't feel guilty, but I think it's because you guys work so much. You guys work. I mean, I always work, but you guys work more than I did. Right. I'm just wondering if maybe you probably, you probably got guys could be more tired than I was. Like I had the luxury when you guys were super little, I would take naps with you guys. And then when you were older and you were in school, I was working. Um, I, I think that you guys do amazing. Your quality of time with your kids when I watch it is amazing. Your level of communication with your kids, I would have to say, is far better than mine was. Well, that's because you used to slam my brother's heads together and put soap in our mouths <laughs> if we swore. I want to talk about your companies. Yes. Because you are also a female founder. That's right. How many? You started three, yeah. correct? Mm-hmm. Take well, me. let's see. One, two. Yeah, three. So what made you want to start your own businesses and then offload them? And yeah. So I love the create. I have a passion for creating things. And so the first one I fell into, I was helping out my sister-in-law and said, hmm, this isn't a business I want to do for life, but I could help her out and I could um, help sell some of her products. And that really grew fast. And then your dad started to help. And then we did that together. And then- That was what, Amway? Yes. And And did you just have an innate ability to be able to sell? No. I really um, did like the products. So they kind of sold themselves. I do like working with people. And that's really, really a people business. But at the time, that was not my lifestyle. So I thought, I can do this for a set number of years. But this is not the lifestyle I want to lead or have for my kids. So when you guys were um, old enough that it was a boys then mostly because this was, you were part of it, but that there were meetings in the evenings and I had a choice between having meetings in the evenings or being at home with you guys. I said, I'm done. So for me, it's I love the create. And then once this thing is going, I pass it on. So then I started a nursing agency. I fell into that. Um and just love the create, love taking care of patients. There were a lot of challenges, like I'll give you one of those later, which involves, again, people. And then we naturally fell into starting our own um, clinic. And once that, that was a real passion because I love medicine, I love alternative medicine. And so creating our clinic where we deliver amazing health services for people where they can truly get better and find their underlying uh, cause for their illness is super fun. But I kind of grew out of a job. That's another story. I grew myself out of a job. How'd you do that? Because I'm sure a lot of people listening would love to grow themselves out of a job. Mm. So um, what happened, so anyways, I turned my nursing agency over to my director of nursing. Uh, I still do see patients in their home. There's certain patients that um, like to see me and I like to see them. But then in the terms of the clinic, I was evaluating test test results, like we do a lot of testing, and I would write programs, which is a lot of fun. I remember, though, that there came a point where I realized I need to have a strong biochemistry background, because when you know that your patients, you're putting them on natural supplements according to testing, but if you know that they're on drugs, medical drugs, they may have to be for a period of time or forever on certain drugs, there's interactions. And 
one owes it to their clients to really know those drug interactions. And that actually takes a very strong background in biochemistry, which I didn't have. So at that point, my choice was to be to, to study biochemistry or become a nurse practitioner. And when I went to school, there was no such thing. And had I done it over again, I would have become a nurse practitioner where I had more responsibility. Uh, so I thought, okay, I'm going to hire a nutritionist with a strong background in biochemistry, which we did. And then I thought, wow, now I'm out of a job. So I did various other things in the clinic, but my true love is writing programs. Gotcha. And so I think that's my one regret is not having gone on to become a nurse practitioner or going on to study biochemistry. But now you're the Donald Trump of Florida, of Tampa. You own a lot of real estate. Uh, I do own some real estate. (laughs) And uh, see, I tend to get bored. Now, this is part of I'll create something and move on. So when I realized I didn't have much of a job left in the clinic, um, I couldn't stand to be idle. So I did buy a property, fell in love with that. So I do do that, too. So a lot of people outside of fashion have encounters uh, when starting businesses or uh, working in corporations with men that are not positive. They feel like either belittled or, you know, just made to feel not as equal. In all of your three companies, did you ever experience any of that? And if so, what did you do? With a man. Or a woman. Women, yes. And, um, uh, you know... The, the things that I did were unique in that I had a choice of who I was working with. And I realize in some of these larger companies that are male-dominated, the choice is more limited. So in the companies that I was in, I mean, actually in the Amway business, there was a guy who was a pretty bad guy, and he actually got removed eventually. And when I see people like that, I just make a lot of noise and go to the top and say, hey, this person is no good, or they're not right. This is what they're doing. I'll document exactly what it is they're doing. And just speak up and go as high as I need to go. So that happened with a male there. And then actually I have to go to my childhood. I had a rabbi that was really a bad egg. And as a child, what can you do? You can act mischievous. So that's exactly what I would do. I would interrupt the service. And Was he a bad egg? Like he, what was he doing that was bad? He was belittling people. He was. He had his favorites in the classroom. I was one of his favorites. He didn't belittle me, but he belittled others. And I don't like that. That's one of my pet peeves is when somebody is unfair and kind to others. And then I re- super go into action. I kind of go to, for the throat if somebody is mean or unkind to others, as I did with Becky and her teacher. But I've done it my whole life. So this rabbi was like super mean to certain kids. So I was disruptive in the classroom. I would make jokes and goof around with the other kids to disrupt him. Uh, and then I would do the same during the service. And I, I had to stay after many times with my parents because I was bad. But that was my way of speaking out at the time that this is a bad guy. And don't you dare treat others the way you're treating them. I wouldn't allow him to come to my wedding either. But my dad snuck him in. Uh, he didn't perform the wedding, however, which was a big affront. But then uh, I had a I contracted as a nurse, my nursing agency, with a uh, woman, and I'm sure you see this behavior a lot. She would belittle my staff, and she would um, call me in the middle of the night, and she'd say, look, I just fired so-and-so because they put a cup of water onto the dresser, and it's going to leave a ring, and you're going to have to come in right now. So she would be your best friend for two weeks, and then the next two weeks, man, she was on your case and mean. And 
uh, it was a very tumultuous time, and I thought, I have to fix this. So I, there were people above her, and I would just write up reports, write up reports, and then finally I just said to her, look, when you're happy, everybody around here is happy. When you're not happy, nobody is happy. So I think you need to go on a vacation. It's been like two years um, that I've been taking care of your husband since his accident, and you need to go on a vacation. She went uh, for a cruise, met a guy, came home, divorced her husband, moved out, and all the great staff that I'd had previously that had left because she was so ruthless, uh, they, they returned. So I had the most beautiful staff again. When you have a beautiful staff and harmony, it's like you don't have to exert any major control because they work in harmony and they're great. Here's another thing. Some people feel like they have to be mean in order to control others. And if they're mean, man, I just step in and say, hey, you can achieve this with kindness and good control, and I won't allow it. And again, I just report to whoever until this behavior is changed or the person leaves. It's good advice. Yeah. So um, are you surprised with how passionate I've become about birth and breastfeeding? Wow. <laughs> Did you think, as someone who departed, she left me when I was six months old and went to Acapulco and abruptly removed the boob from me Wow! with soy milk. Um, oh. <laughs> are you surprised that it's something that I'm obsessed with? I've never thought about it that way. I'm so happy you're obsessed with it. Like when when I um, gave birth to you guys, the only people in those days, how do I put this? In those days, the people that were like you were only post hippies and the, you know, the crunchy granola crowd. And I can't say I'm much different than that because I'm super into health foods and organic and gluten-free. But in those days, it just wasn't cool. I can't explain it, even though I wasn't necessarily into being super cool. But uh, so then for you to be this way, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you because it's a beautiful thing and you so empower others to do it and make it great that others do it. But I have trouble understanding why it wasn't cool because you did a lot of things that were on the fringe, right? You lived with dad before you got married. You didn't have a big wedding. You got married in your backyard. You didn't have a traditional wedding dress. You, I don't know, like I feel like you did a lot of non-traditional that were that were potentially going against the grain then. I did. I mean, and also giving birth to you guys were the, all three of you were totally natural. And the, there was like probably four anesthesiologists waiting out in the hall and they would come in one by one and they'd say, just so you know, I'm here to help you when you need me. And I'd say, no, thank you. You can leave now. But I, I don't know. There was a stigma against two crunchy granola in those days. But still having a natural childbirth and still breastfeeding, but breastfeeding did not go beyond six months for us in those days. So right. that you've embraced this is such a beautiful thing to watch. And all the women out there that are doing this, it's just beautiful. So I love it. Is there anything else you want to share? No. How about you? You're so magnificent. <laughs> I, I, I think I want to share that I'm just so proud of all my three kids that you guys are all so amazing. Oh, I have a, I have two questions I ask everyone. I can't forget to ask you as we wind down. The first one is, what would we be surprised to know about you? That in the morning, when I, I feel like I should get up, I don't get up. And I waste about a half an hour time that way. And it's like, you can't retrieve that half an hour once it's gone. Yeah, but you have it every day. What do I have every day? That half you have a whole new day every day. 
True, but there's so much to get done in a day, right? Anything else exciting? Anything? I can share something. Yeah, tell me. I want to hear your funny story. Your funny stories that one time I super embarrassed you. What? With Sarah when you were on the scaffolding outside the house. Oh, yeah. Like I rarely, I don't think I ever hit you except for that one time. Is that right? You hit me once, yes. You want to tell that story? I was on the scaffolding. My parents were renovating their house and I was like three stories up on scaffolding. And Max saw me and told on me. And then in front of my friend, you took me onto your lap and spanked me. And it was mortifying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I was so scared. And sometimes when I'm scared like that, it's like I did the wrong thing. And um, the the one thing I want to say about you guys, all of you, is the way you communicate with your children is so much better than how I communicated with you. Like I was like very quick to like, here's a situation like if kid says, I don't want to do that. And I'll say, come on, just, we're just going to do it. Like, let's go. And what you'll say is, Hey, and worry too. Hey buddy, what's going on? And you really get in communication with your child and find out what's going on in their universe. And that's so much better than me saying, get over it, get in the car. Right. You do say we're more patient. Um, I was going to share that you were the first person to show me what a vibrator was. That's what I was going to oh share. Oh, my God. I showed you or did you find it? <laughs> no, you showed it to me. You're like, oh, it so happens that we were at this party and they were giving out these things. And I was like, wow, this is fascinating. It's a bit embarrassing. I'm covering my eyes. I don't think most <laughs> parents should do that. That was a mistake, Becky. Yeah, but you also, you know, you made sex just normal, not something that's shameful or to be hidden. That's really true. That it was is just true. like this thing that we talked about. Right. Yeah. Okay. My last question for you is what is a piece of advice you'd like to leave our listeners with, whether it be mom advice, female founder advice, punching a lady in the face when she flirts with your dad? Advice? Oh my God. I punched a lady out once and I broke her nose. <laughs> <laughs> don't cross, don't flirt with my dad or else. Well, this was a little, she, she, I won't go into all that story, but she'd been around for quite a while and she was being quite persistent. So I don't mind normal, cute little flirts, but persistently long over a period of time. Your nose broken. That's right. Oh, yeah. So what was your question? A last piece of advice you'd like to leave our listeners with? As a mom, do what you feel is right because it's different for everybody. Do what you feel is right. And really, I can't stress enough that just being really like get into their universe. What is their universe like or crawl inside their head and we'll find out what's going on with them really according to them not one's analysis of what's going on but really find out what's going on with them and I think it's easier to be with and help a a child if you can find out from them what's really going on with them I remember one thing though listen to this I had a hard time when I was 13 really rough time like I couldn't eat I couldn't sleep I was like is this me? Like, you know, look at my body and say, hey, is this me? So my mom saw that I wasn't eating. Actually, my sister, she tattled on me and said, look, Sue's not eating and she's not sleeping. So my mom said, um, I'm going to take you to the doctor. And you know what I said to her? I said, you can take me to the doctor as long as you promise you'll never take me to a psychiatrist. Wow. So she said, okay. So I went to my doctor. He gave me a ex- very acceptable truth that, look, you're going to feel better in nine months. And magically, I felt better in nine months. Did he just know you were going through puberty? He did. He said, you know, you have new hormones in your body. And um, these can affect your brain in different ways and make you feel certain ways that aren't fun. And if you just give it nine months, I promise you, you'll feel better. It's good advice. Yeah. Thank you, Mommy. I love you, Becky. I love you, too. So proud of you. 
So I wanted to read you a review from Curvy Girl to Fit. I just wanted to say I have been listening to your podcast on Pandora and thank you so much for doing what you do. I am feeling a bit better after listening when it comes to feeling like I am struggling as a woman starting their own business. And what a great way to bring women together. Thank you so much, Curvy Girl to Fit. I hope you continue to be inspired and you stay listening. Don't forget to download, rate, and review. Ratings and reviews are really, really important. They help us stay in the algorithm. They help us stay current. They help us get new listeners. And so if you can just take a minute out of your day to just let us know what you thought. Um, Also, it's really great. It helps me shape and inform what I do next and who I interview. So go there now. You can listen to us on Stitcher, Pandora, obviously Apple Podcasts, uh, basically wherever you listen to a podcast, that's where we are.